And so if you're starting out or if you're new, one of the things that I just really recommend you do is like unpair this idea that there's only like that the sufficient condition is like special. Hey y'all, this is Asta from the 7 Sage LSAT podcast. We just wanted to pop in and let y'all know about an announcement the LSAC made on October 18th. They announced that starting August of 2024, the analytical reasoning section, or what we all know and maybe love as the logic game section, will no longer be a part of the LSAT. What does this mean? It means that instead of the test being one logic game section, one logical reasoning section, one reading comprehension section, and an experimental section, it will now be two LR sections, a RC section, and an experimental section. So instead of logic games, it's being replaced by a second LR section. Here are the most important things for you to know. The second LR section will not be any different than the logical reasoning section that you're used to. You can use all the same materials to study. What it does mean, though, is that two-thirds of your score will be based on your LR performance. Now, it's tricky to answer the question of whether or not this makes the test more difficult because, as with everything else in the law school world, it depends. Whether this change impacts your score positively or negatively comes down to whether you're stronger on LR or LG. What's important to remember is that this change will not go into effect until August of 2024. This means that you have plenty of time not only to decide whether you want to take the test before LG goes away, but also improve on LR. Now, we'll be releasing a longer podcast episode with 7Sage founder JY going over this change and talking about exactly what you should prepare for. The 7Sage website will also have many more updates to allow you to better prepare, no matter which test you're taking. With that, best of luck with your prep, and as always, happy studying. This is an LSAT-based webinar. It's pretty open-ended here. Um, we're just going to take Q&A for this entire time. Yeah, that's kind of the game plan. Anything you want to add, Henry? No. Fire away your deepest, darkest questions. We're, we're, we're here for it. Me and Bailey are at your disposal. Uh, we just wanted to open up and, and have the opportunity to to have like kind of like an open LSAT ask me anything or open general questions, general testing strategies. We can go ahead and fire away. I'm hoping people here have questions. This will make for a short, it'll be a short webinar if people don't have questions uh, <laughs> about, about either how to study or um, some general LSAT tips, whether it is in LR, necessary assumption. I know Bailey was uh, all over the necessary assumption earlier today. I'll just start it right off the bat. Uh, Bailey, like when you think of conditionals, like how did you learn to, to do conditionals? I, I always get that question a lot, which is, which is to say like, Hey, you know, like how much time should I be spending? Should I be drilling conditionals? Like what was your path forward to getting good at conditionals? See, this is a great question to ask me because I probably did this very differently from you. I almost every time that I get asked a question, like, am I, you know, writing down the little logic sentences when I'm doing any sort of LR? I'm like, no, I literally do not diagram. I don't like to, I messed it up enough times when I was learning it. I mean, now I'm able to do the diagrams, but I just totally took a 180 as soon as I was starting to re-Google sufficient, like what is sufficient, what is necessary. On my probably seventh re-Google, I was like, all right, I've got to just come up with a more conceptual way to understand this instead of just always memorizing those indicators that just didn't work for me. And so- mm -hmm. 
I just very much was on the train of like, if I, you know, if I had, I'm given some sort of if then statement, I just focus a lot on free phrasing it a couple of times in my head to really make sure that I understand what that means. I'm going to ask myself like, well, what, what do I know if, if this is true, if it's not true, I just take the little two pieces, break them down, but it's yeah. not a very formal method at all. I definitely could have learned it faster and more efficiently. It was yeah. like, you know, the roundabout few months of searching this. Yeah, I I, th- I think there's a lot of different approaches, right? Personally, when I, I was studying myself, I did not even think about group indicators. I was just like, all right, well, there's just different words that indicate different conditions. I'm just going to like try and come up with phrases with that. Um, Usually for people who are having difficulty with the concept of like what is sufficient versus what is necessary, how you try to get that, um, how you can avoid making that mistake is whenever you see a sufficient condition and a necessary condition, you just automatically think, well, there are more ways to reach this necessary condition. Uh, if you've been to my LSAT classes before, I, you know, I always go to this idea, right? If apple, then fruit. Very common conditional. It, it, you know, it just resonates. I'm sure some people who are in my classes are rolling their eyes. Uh, but when I first saw that, what I would always do is I'd think, well, there are some other, th- what other sufficient conditions can get me to fruit, right? If it's a mango, then it's a fruit. If it's a peach, then it's a fruit. And and when you do that, you're going to begin to unpair this idea that like there's some sort of special or, um, you know, unique one-on-one. It's not a monogamous relationship, okay? You know, when you have a sufficient condition versus a necessary condition, there are multiple ways that can get you to, uh, to fruit. And so if you're starting out or if you're new, one of the things that I just really recommend you do is like unpair this idea that there's only, like that the sufficient condition is like special. Right. All it means is that it's enough. Well, there's a bunch of things that could be enough to get to the necessary condition. Um, after that, what I would recommend is is trying to unpack this idea of causality between sufficient and necessary. It's very like causal claims can be written in terms of sufficient and necessary, but just because something is sufficient for another thing, it doesn't mean it's causal. Bailey, like, would you agree with me that if I clap my hands right now, the sun will rise tomorrow? Well, yeah, it's going to happen. It's true, right? If I clap my hands, the sun will rise. Well, would it also be true that if I don't clap my hands, the sun won't rise? No, sun's going to rise. Yeah, the sun's going to rise no matter what. So this is uh, an example of the uh, negated sufficient and you can still have the necessary. But that doesn't mean like my first conditional was not true, right? (laughs) It's just as true as if apple, then fruit. If I clap my hands, the sun will rise. But there's not some sort of causal or special connection between the two. Uh, So when you're starting out, I would recommend engaging in practices like that to help unpair you. Uh, It it is remarkable how often I'll get a a new client who still runs into these issues despite being in the 160s. And I'm like, hey, look, this is actually holding you back. Um, Ideally, you you don't want to have to think about like what is sufficient, what is necessary, what does that mean? And you don't want to be thinking, well, like, oh, I – uh, like, oh, I'm denying the necessary, which means I deny the su- sufficient, right? So that you can you can have a conceptual understanding, but you really have to like start believing it, right? And the path to getting there is by 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 unpacking it, right? In the outset, in your untimed practice versus your timed practice, spending some time working um, around with it. Um, the, the final thing I'll mention just in regards to understanding conditionals is this idea of not unless. I always talk about not unless, uh, not unless and and no. Uh, People have a lot of trouble unpacking those conditionals. And what you need to do in those instances is you need to have an idea or have a pocket phrase that makes a lot of sense for you, Mm -hmm. right? So if I say that, you know, 
no people who ride a bike are happy. Uh, it's very difficult to understand what that means, right? Like no people who ride a bike are happy. How do you unpack that? Well, a good way to do that would be to say, well, let's use a regular, a real life example, right? No dogs or cats is the one I always use. Well, no dogs or cats is something that you can easily unpack. And some people would say, well, doesn't that mean if you're not a dog, then you're a cat? Well, well, no. I mean, so obviously you'd be a cat. Uh, well, no, that makes no sense, right? So, so no dogs or cats translates to uh, uh, if dog, then not cat, right? And then you can just say, well, no one who rides a bike is happy. In this case, you would just map that on, right? No one who rides a bike is happy. So if you ride a bike, then you're not happy in the same way that no dogs or cats. If you're a dog, you're not a cat, right? And having these pocket phrases that make sense to you is going to help you um, uh, like start to navigate these more complex conditionals. The same is true of not unless. You cannot be a student at um, Tulane University unless you take the ACT, right? Well, all right, so if you take the ACT, then you can be a student. No, right? If you're a student at Tulane University, then you took the ACT. Is this resonating with you, Bailey? Yes, no, it makes total sense. Yeah, if I were to put it in better words, that's basically what I do is those pocket phrases. I'm like, well, what does this really mean? I mean, there's there's no way that it couldn't happen. So it has to happen. That's mm -hmm. one that I'll always pull back on. Yeah, um, and, and this is just bouncing off of, you know, one of the questions we just got, right? It was just like tips for, you know, beginning to, to, to study the LSAT. Understanding sufficient versus necessary, it's like reading. Now, of course, knowing that is not going to be enough. Uh, but you really need to to have a pretty fluent understanding of of the different conditional translations um, and, and like what it means for something to be sufficient versus what it means for something to be necessary. So, you know, if you're just starting studying, you definitely want to go through the core curriculum. If you're on more of a time crunch, if I have a client, right, who, who wants to meet and they haven't done the core curriculum, usually I'll say like, all right, you know, try to glance through the core curriculum so we have like the same common vernacular. Uh, so when something gets explained in a video or where, when I'm explaining a question to someone, we'll understand each other, right? To some degree, we'll kind of know what we're talking about. But if you have the time, if you're not on a short time frame, like a couple months, right? If you have like, you know, three, four months, I would I would devote some time to that core curriculum, but a healthy amount. You don't, I mean, I don't know. You don't have to come out as an expert. Did you read the core curriculum, Bailey? Great question. I honestly never did all of it. And that's usually when people come into my classes, they're like, do I have to do all of it? I'm like, well, I mean, obviously you don't have to in order to do well. I'm an example of that, but was that efficient? Not necessarily. So that's part of my take on it. I, I've said this before. I was just so stubborn with my LSAT prep that I was like, I don't want somebody to tell me how to do it. I want to figure it out myself. So I just put my own words to the words that are on the LSAT and it took a freaking long time. So yeah, mm. I didn't really, I, I do think a good way to balance that though, is if you want to take a PT, use that PT, whether that's your diagnostic, maybe you took diagnostic, started doing the core curriculum. You're like, this is slow. I'm feeling antsy. I don't know. Take another PT, see where you're at, really use the analytics tool on seven sage, for example, to pinpoint where your weaknesses are. If you even just gather a couple question types that you can figure out are going to be more helpful for you to focus on than others, that could be a more helpful way to guide where you go in the core curriculum or in the syllabus or whatever other resources you're using. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So I, I would definitely recommend devoting like some time to the core curriculum. You have to know yourself too, but like planning out like, all right, I'm just gonna spend an hour on the CC. I'll go mm -hmm. to a coffee shop, read. All right, I'm gonna go to the coffee shop, read, you know, some sort of book. Uh, I, that for me, I, was, I started off with the LSAT trainer. Um, now, you know, I wish I'd went right to seven stage, but you know, I started out with the LSAT trainer. I was like, you know, every day I'm going to do an hour just to, just to peruse through and start getting used to it before I uh, like completely throw myself in. Um, the other thing I'll add, like besides, you know, building out a study plan 
deciding like, all right, you know, I'm going to spend an hour. I'm going to look at one problem type for this hour. And then I'm going to look at another problem uh, the, you know, the next day. One thing that I, I think is incredibly underrated in the LSAT taking space or the LSAT studying space is like making sure your vernacular is accurate to LSAT levels. One of the issues that we all experience when we start reading or start coming into this test is like we have so much time, uh, 20, you know, tw usually 20 plus years of experience of of inaccurate statements. I'm always tired. Right. You, you know, oh, um, everyone sucks. It's It's so silly. But those are the kinds of things that actually kind of burn you towards the end. I don't want to say burn you, but if you're just so used to making those statements, those are the assumptions that the LSAT like knows people make. And, and they're going to anticipate when you say, uh, they're going to anticipate like you saying all when you really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to anticipate you saying most when you really shouldn't, right? Like, oh, everyone sucks. In real life, you don't actually mean that. But on the test, if they said that, they mean that. Everyone, it's, everyone sucks. So I think an underrated component is starting to, I hate saying like incorporate it into your everyday life, but being precise with your language. Yeah, no, I totally agree. By the way, like one of my favorite ways to do that is just create an ongoing list of LSAT vocab, whatever that might be for you. Usually for me, it's not like looking up, you know, fancy there's not really a finite list of LSAT vocab that you need to need to know. I think it could cover a lot of different things. Maybe you'd argue there, but I'm like, what does some really mean here? Well, it just means at least one, even though in my, you know, regular day-to-day -day speak, I might think that some usually refers to two or three or something specific like that, which it doesn't actually precisely mean. So mm -hmm. things like that, where you're just, yeah, making it more normal and you pay attention to things that people say every day, you know, you don't have to correct everybody, but you're like, oh, wait, that's not actually precise. Another question. So I finished a core curriculum and my LSAT is next month. Um, any tips on how to drill or how to structure my next month of studying? So I've technically, technically finished all the videos. Uh, uh, Bailey, any thoughts on that? I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, so awesome. Proud of you for chugging through all of that. So it's basically going to be a matter of figuring out how often am I going to take practice tests? I highly recommend my, my take on practice tests is zero to two PTs a week. Zero, meaning that, you know, if you get to that one PT a week, you're like, oh, I made some small reachable goal for this PT, but I'm just not quite going to hit it, even though it was small and reachable. Awesome. I'd so much rather spend that time that I was going to spend on a full PT doing like three full LR sections. Maybe I do one of them untimed and really, you know, get to the bottom of what my LR strategy is going to be. Maybe I do two of them timed and I just really focus on cementing those more specific things that I know that I haven't quite hit throughout the week. But we want to treat those PTs, maybe weekly, maybe bi-weekly, maybe, you know, every two weeks-ish as more of thermometers, things that tell us the temperature where we're at right then, they really can't move the needle one way or the other. So you want to get those consistent PTs that are going to tell you where you're at. And then you want to spend a lot of time in between those PTs, figuring out where your weak points are. Seven Sage Analytics tool, really helpful there to just go through and maybe pinpoint some question types that you're struggling with more than others, timing issues that you might be having, any sort of things that you can see as trends overarching your PTs. Maybe you keep making the same mistakes. And that's when you want to go through, put together, I, I say like three or four full time sections throughout the week is a good baseline. Gather like two or three more targeted drills per day, get creative with those, try to put together things that might be hitting your weak points. I don't know. Those are my general ideas there. Any Anything to add? Self-reflection is very important when you're studying. Uh, a lot of people drill, they check the answers. They are, oh, I got this what, X, Y, and Z wrong. I'm not going to do that again. Uh, a not a bad way. I was about to say terrible way. Not a bad way to study, but there are maybe more favorable ways to study. 
one of the things that I always give my clients that if I work with them one-on-one, I, I call it like a strategy builder. It's, it, I don't really, I don't have a good name for it. Um, it's like you do five problems of the same type. You do them in a row. Afterwards, you blind you check your answers. After that though, you ask yourself, well, okay, maybe you missed two out of the five. You ask yourself like, why did I miss these? Right? What if, and it's not even, uh, oh, what is the right answer? It's like, why did I miss this? Right? What about me made me skip over this problem? Or skip over the right answer choice. What about me uh, made me commit myself to a wrong answer choice? And then after you figure that out, right, then you have to make a plan. How can I never make that mistake again? And now, of course, you're probably going to make the mistake again, but how can you avoid making that mistake in the future? Right, so you say, you know what? Um, every time I see the word only if I'm going to, boom, necessary, for, for example, instead of uh, if sufficient, right? So only if, boom, necessary. And then what you're going to do is you're going to do those five problems again. After you do those five problems, again, you apply the strategy that, that you have. And this is like cement. It's kind of like foolproofing, right? You're cementing this into your brain, right? Only if it's necessary. After that, you do another five problems of a different, of, of like you know, different problems, but of the same type, reapplying that strategy. So that can be as like down to the microcosm or only if, or strengthening questions. I'm going to watch out for alternative explanations and shutting those down. Uh, the goal in that situation, it's like yourself reflecting on your, um, on, I was about to say on your own deficiencies. That's it's a little harsh, but you're <laughs> trying to ask yourself, well, why am I getting this wrong? Of course, of course the answer is right. right. Of course it's so obvious why an answer is right. When, when you have that little green bubble, right? Right next to B. Oh, of course I see why that's right. But, but you want to ask yourself, well, what about this was so mysterious to me beforehand? And why did I, why did I mess that up? Next wow. question then. How do you f- stay focused and present in reading comprehension? I feel like we talked about this recently, like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. How do you stay focused and present? That's like a classic one. Everybody seems to have that problem. I thought it was only me. So my situation here is a lot of times, like, I mean, I would read things online. That's like, you know, you got a faint interest. You got to pretend that you're like, it's life or death. You're the scientist that needs to figure something out. And I'm like, yeah, I can kind of get myself to do that to some extent, But at the end of the day, I can't always trick myself into doing those things. I don't know. So maybe you try to do that stuff. And if you're able to, awesome, really focus on adding that psychological, like, okay, well, you, it doesn't matter if you're interested or not, you have to care about this. Still doesn't work for me. So what I did was just kind of switched gears, focus a lot more on reading for structure, focusing on, you know, what role does each paragraph play in the passage? If I can't get myself to engage with the content, I mean, at the end of the day, does the content matter that much? Not until I get to the questions and I figure out which details they're asking me about. What matters is that I understand which role each of the paragraphs in the passage are playing. I like to picture it as more of like, I'm, you know, kind of gathering where these puzzle pieces all fit together. That Mm -hmm. helps me pay a lot more attention to this because then I'm like, well, why do I care? Okay. At least I know why I care to the extent of these things all fit together. And it makes this nice little argument. Thoughts? I agree a lot with that. I'm a little bit more, I don't know, like... I was about to say like militant or a little bit more like, why do you have to be interested? That's, that's my thing. Everyone's always asked like, how, how do I get more interested in the passage? And I guess focused and present is a little bit different, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm answering a different question at this point, but I'm going to run with it. Yeah. It's like, again, <laughs> it, it, oh, I'm just so uninterested in the passages, Henry. And I'm just like, well, why does that matter? Why do you have to be in the interested in the passages to do it? Yeah. Like most things in life suck, <laughs> you know, and you still have to do them well. Uh, law school right? Law school, right? Jobs, right? There's a lot of things, you know, interest does not necessarily need, you don't need to be interested to do this question, to do these passages well, 
right? And if you tell yourself that, it kind of like gives you permission to like do it while you're not interested. One other thing, like how do you, in terms of staying focused and present and at a more general level, is if you have the luxury of deciding when you're studying, try to figure out when you are most, um, most aware, present, active. Right. So if uh, for me, that was 10 a.m. And I was fortunate I, I, I was in school at the time. So I was able to study like at 10. Right. Uh, because I just knew that 10 was when I was going to, you know, I was going to do my best work. Um, if that's not you. Right. And if you don't have the luxury, I, I'm not I'm not actually kidding. Like a little bit of caffeine right at the right time can can be a, a big boost just to uh, allow you to stay a little bit more awake, uh, not living in an incredibly dark apartment like the one I do. Um, or, or going to a place that's a little bit more lively just so you can uh, focus, noise-canceling headphones, uh, things like that. I know it sounds so silly, but 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 really, those are those are the little things that matter. I want to scream every time I see someone doing work at a coffee shop without noise-canceling headphones, without the noise-canceling headphones. Like, it's like busy. I'm like, are you actually studying? Like, are you actually working? I don't know. I, I couldn't do that. No, I'm not. I'm projecting a little bit at this point. Uh, but but this idea of of finding the environment where you can study is incredibly important, right? Finding the time in the place where you will do your best work. So if you don't have that on on the weekdays, oh, well, I mean, I mean, you might want to. It might be worth it to consider like sacrificing a a morning on the weekend, uh, to to studying right for a couple hours. Um, and and by the way, it's like if ten a.m. is your time, probably not going out to like two. Right, it's gonna be beneficial too. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's like in my life, I'll, I'll be like, yeah, don't don't go out and party, um, just because you're not gonna be retaining information. And so, just uh, I guess to to sum it up, right, staying focused and present, uh, maybe identifying some other things like structure, right, so you don't have to get bogged down in the details. If that's you, of course, you know, the content is important. I have to add that caveat. Um, I don't think it is. <laughs> okay, yeah, I we can have diverging opinions on that, but but we do both agree, right? Like uh, identifying times in which you are 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 most active is incredibly important. Uh, usually, sure. the time and the place sometimes matters more than like the the what right you're doing. Like if you're aware, you you'll kind of figure something out. Okay, great. Question about guessing. I've taken several practice tests and I seem to run out of time with four to five questions remaining per section. What advice do you have about guessing as time runs out? Well, obviously you're picking B every time, right? I pick D. Ah, interesting. Or C. Don't pick A. Don't pick A. Definitely don't pick A. A. <laughs> Definitely don't pick A. The question, what advice do you have about guessing as the time runs out? Um, ideally, we get you to a place where that's not happening for you. Right. So um, what you would I mean, there's a couple if I saw that happening. First of all, let's say you have 30 seconds left. Mm -hmm. You need to go and just like pick five in a row just right off the bat before you go back, like for the last 20 seconds of the problem, because what you definitely don't want to do is not bubble anything in. Right. A hundred percent chance you get those questions wrong. Right. You'd rather take the 20 percent chance and, and maybe mess up the question you're currently working on um, just so you can potentially nab those points at that point though it, it's like kind of too late right it's like like how do i you know how do i you know tourniquet my my sawed off hand yeah right it's like well ideally we get like ideally we're not in a position where we have to do that in the first place um and so that would suggest like a a, a timing sorry my dog is here that would suggest a timing issue to me mm -hmm. um now per section if that's a universal thing um there's going to be different prescriptions based on the section mm -hmm. uh, for, for LR, uh, 
we always say it's like the 15 and 15, getting the first 15 questions done in 15 minutes. Um, oh, but what if I get a question too wrong and it's easy? Well, okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. If it means you're not going to run out of time, right? I'd, I would rather you get question two wrong and have the time to look at four and five. Maybe, maybe not getting those or, or uh, the last four or five questions, like maybe, or maybe not getting them right. But I would much rather you have like a little enough time to, to look at those questions. Um, even at the cost of getting a couple questions early wrong, uh, because overall there's just not many traps questions one through 10. And so if question A, you know, answer choice A looks good, it's probably because it is good. Um, and, and getting you to a place where you can have enough time at the end. That's what I would go for. I, I, I guess, I mean, do you agree with that with LR? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I also say, and this is something that I didn't personally do, but I've been learning more about it from seven sage, basically, I didn't skip around with questions when I was going through sections. Cause I was under the impression where I was like, okay, well, no matter what, I've got to figure out how to do this question at some point, if I'm going to try to answer all of them to the best of my abilities. So why would I, you know, skip them, but especially in the interim, I find it to be really helpful. Like if you're genuinely consistently running out of time for four or five questions, cool. I'd rather you, you know, choose which four or five questions you're not going to be hundred percent sure about, like not going to answer. So maybe you go through, like when you get to, even if it is question 10, and it's supposed to be one of the more straightforward ones. And you really just like, whatever it is, you are not confident in your answer. You know, there's a disconnect. Cool. I'd so much rather you skip on, move to the next one, bubble something in for 10 and flag it, come back to it maybe, but get more time to get to those harder ones at the end. Cause maybe they're not actually, you know, objectively harder, or it's usually like time crunch comes. Some of them are really hard at the end. Some of them are not. We don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I guess like in terms of LG too, I, actually I've, I've like run into a remarkable amount of people who who aren't maybe totally aware of this. Like on LG, you cannot check every answer choice, right? Like the second oh, you yeah. get to an answer that you like, you just have to pick it, right? So if that answer choice is A and it's A five times in a row, so be it, right? Yeah. Like there's just not enough time for you to 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 confirm that the other ones are wrong. It's a little bit like, unlike LR where you have a little bit more time to maybe mess around with some other answers. But if A looks good, it's good. I used to never think about that. Like, I just thought that was a, a known thing, but it, I guess it's not. Um, the other thing too is, is, is how good are your your master game boards, right? So if you have a bad master game board, it's going to take you a lot more time to do the questions. So it would it would, be, it would depend. I'd have to see your sections. But I, I would ask yourself, like, if you look at the video, do you have a, an approximate of that? Uh, it doesn't have to be exactly the same, but do you have a tool that looks close to that? Mm -hmm. um, are you actually using your master game board? Or do you build out an entire sequencing chain just to not use it? Uh, that would be another um, time, a potential timing issue. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, same thing for RC too. I always just, I, I think a good timing indicator to keep yourself on for RC, if you're running out of time for those ones is just really holding yourself to moving on to that third paragraph or third paragraph, goodness, third passage. When you have about 20 ish minutes left on the clock, that's at least what I like to give myself so that I have like 10 whole minutes to attack those last two passages, just in case they're a lot harder than the first two. If I have to kind of change up that distribution of time in the moment and then great. I will, but similar to LR, you know, we're saving ourselves 20 minutes for those harder ones at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So strategies for picking between two answers that look fundamentally similar. It's a great question. 
Uh, my first thing is whenever I'm down to two answer choices, period, even if I don't know why I'm down to them, maybe usually it's because they kind of look similar, but maybe I'm not putting my finger on that. I'm just asking myself, what is the difference between these? I am not allowed to move on until I get to some sort of difference. If I stare at those answer choices again, and I'm like, you guys look exactly the same. I mean, I'm going to remind myself they can't be exactly the same. They're not using exactly the same words, nor perfect synonyms, things like that. So I'm just going to go chunk by chunk, maybe a few words here, a few words there. What's the difference here? Compare them to each other. Once I can get into my own words, exactly what that difference is, then I've done the work that I need to do. Usually just the act of getting into your own words, what the difference is, tells you which one you think is going to be right. Unless just totally out of left field. Like you have no idea what you're doing with this question. Yeah. uh, I, 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 I agree in terms of obviously they look the same. They're not. And so what Bailey's recommending to, to, sift through literally word by word is mm-hmm. always good right like identifying the differences between the two right the, only versus the only if versus only if right those the, these these are things that mean different things um and visually they look very similar right so you want to make sure that when you're going through oh this says only right and the other one says only if okay now i know that this is a necessary condition versus sufficient condition I keep going back to necessary versus sufficient. I just like the probably the easiest, the one that's like most relevant or, or comes to mind. And, and that's a good starting place usually. If they really, if after that, you're just totally stuck still. I will say then just move on, pick it and move yeah. on. Uh, uh, how you how I look at this test is it, it's like gambling or it's not like gambling, but it's, it's about percentages, right? Uh, narrowing it down to two is effectively gaining points. You start off with a 20% chance of getting a point. Mm-hmm. If you narrow it down to two, you have a 50% chance. That's half a point versus a fifth of a point. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it stacks up. If, no, if someone narrowed it down, like, you know, if someone just guessing A on this test versus someone narrowing it down between A and, or, you know, B and C, well, the person who narrows it down between B and C is, is going to score higher, right? So it's okay to X things out and be like, oh, I just wasted all this. No, you didn't. You're good, right? You gained a half point. Uh, you have permission to keep moving um, and not getting stuck. That, that is a question, though. I mean, and, and afterwards, you need to do a postmortem and be like, all right, what is the difference between the two? Uh, it's, it goes back to this other idea, like, what about me didn't see this? What mm-hmm. What is the problem? Only versus the only got me. It still gets me. I will say that's the one thing. Whenever I see the only, I'm like, I sweat a little bit because I'm like, oh, man, I feel like think about like, oh, what is the requirement there? Um I, I I guess that that's more like a R not an LR answer. RC is very similar though. It's similar similar concept. You end up with uh, answers that look slightly different, um, or look the same but have sl- mild differences, and then seeds on those mildly different words uh, is always a good opportunity there. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I think just going back to the passage as well, like, you know, if you're doing all of this, but you're really only looking at those answer choices, whether it's like glancing back at that stimulus, maybe putting something in your own words, rephrasing what you're looking for. So if you're still stuck, like you really just can't move at all between beyond those two questions, you've got to go back to the evidence that you have at hand. Okay. Uh, What is the best way to approach inference questions for RC? Um, I approach inference questions kind of similar to most strongly supported questions. Mm-hmm. where oh, it's not the same way, but th- there's like an overarching strategy that you want to think about, which is like, what is the easiest claim to support, right? Uh, between, let's say we have two answer choices. One says that some milkshakes are tasty. 
And the other Android says most milkshakes are tasty. And the other one says all milkshakes are tasty. And the entire passage is about milkshakes being tasty. Well, I'm going to pick some milkshakes are tasty. Because as long as there's one milkshake out there that's tasty, then that is a supported claim. right? It, 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 whereas opposed to most, you have to have 50% plus one of milkshakes being tasty. And all, you have to have 100% of them. right? So all, I mean, that's wrong if I find a single untasty milkshake. And so th- th- an overarching theme on, on inference questions is the wrong answer choices will be a little too specific, right? They'll, they'll be um, astringent, maybe like too tight, right? It'll be harder to support. Um, oh, Henry's favorite medicine is, I don't know. Uh, Red Tylenol, Bull. Tylenol, Red Bull, right? Tylenol, right? I, I, you could have an entire passage about like how Henry just loves to take Tylenol. He thinks it's better than advil he takes a tylenol every day and it's like oh what what does henry think about question inference what does henry think about tylenol oh tylenol answer us a tylenol is henry's favorite thing okay maybe b henry thinks tylenol is the best drug okay maybe e answer us e henry possibly thinks tylenol has some maybe (laughs) beneficial effects Right, like I'm picking you every time there because it's just so much easier to like, like, like passage aside, it's just so much easier to prove, right, or, or support the idea uh, that that Henry, like, thinks it's possible that Tylenol is a good thing. Versus once we start going into like this, like, oh, Henry definitely thinks Tylenol is a good thing, or it's his favorite thing. Well, then we're we're sketched out. Like, it's just a lot harder to support. Now, I'm not saying that those answers are always wrong, but if you're in a pinch looking at things that are like quote unquote easier to support. Like so some statements are much easier to support than most statements, which are much easier to support than all statements. Um, May. I love May. May is my favorite, uh, not a person, right? But I, I love May, the, the word May, because May is the easiest thing to prove. As long as it's possible, hypothetically possible, then a May statement is valid, right? We might be hit by a meteor destroying the earth tomorrow. I mean, it's, I, feel like, I feel like it's a non-zero chance. It's possible. I mean, now is it likely? No, uh, but but because it's a possibility, it's easy to support that idea. So, so looking for those 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 little words that that um, turn something from like difficult to easy to support. So, what I would go for. I, I, but inference questions are they are very hard um, on this test, and and it begins with a good understanding of the passage too, right? So, if, if I'm I'm you know I don't want to turn into RC again, but I. You got to read the passage. You got to know the content of the passage. Um, I hope that answers. Or any anything else you'd like to add? No, I totally agree. Obviously, you have to read the content. If you're like ignoring the entire content, like what are you doing there? But I just find it a lot easier to lean on structure instead. I was going to say for inference, though. Yeah, the same point that you were bringing up in the first place. I mean, if you keep struggling with inference questions on RC. First of all, put together a set of MSS questions for LR. See if you can reliably start understanding how to work through most strongly supported questions. It's the exact same thing. We're just applying it to a different passage or well, to a different thing. It's passages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I'll say, like beyond the just strength of wording is once it gets, you know, you feel like you've kind of already picked out what's easiest to support, what isn't, usually that will get you most of the way to your answer choice. But then again, they'll make those really hard inference questions where everything's pretty weak wording. And so I just hold myself like all the more reason, my take on it, I want to know what you do, um, to go back to the passage and just physically highlight multiple p- pieces or multiple places where I can find evidence for my answer. Because if it's an inference, it's asking me 
me to see what's rooted in evidence. Chances are it's asking me to synthesize something. It's not just going to be that easy. It comes from one place. So I make myself go back and highlight, but I find, you know, sometimes students are like, I don't have time to do that. Just like all the more reason to just make sure that you're rooting this in evidence. I, I didn't know you were a highlighter. Um. Oh yeah. You don't like highlighting. That's why. Well, I don't care if I'm highlighting it, underlining, whatever it is. I'm just like, I need to physically point to that part of the passage. So if you make yourself go back and point to it, cool. That works too. <laughs> mm. I'm not a highlighter, so I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I, I don't. I don't think it's harmful, but um, that makes yeah, sense. I, I'm definitely not much of a highlighter. I, I think just bouncing off of what you said with when I tutor someone, I'm a big believer that LR and LG needs to be your like number one focus. Personally, now it's not like you should ignore RC, but as you're saying, people's RC scores go way up when their LR scores go up. It's yeah. it's it's very odd because it, even though like, the the content might be slightly different, you're dealing with passages. The actual questions are very similar to LR questions, right? So if you look at the LR pa or the RC passage as just a very long stimulus, um, a lot of the questions are very similar, and they play on similar I ideas. Uh, so because of that, uh, getting better at LR is a very viable way to to improve your RC score. Um, if you're if you're not struggling with it, if you feel like you're understanding, ah, eh, no, I I I I I stand by what I said. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to waver. Obviously, you should still study RC. It's it's still important. However, like if you want to if you want to maybe kill two birds with one stone, LR is 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 a good place to to get your bird murder on birder, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um. Okay. So, would you consider the upcoming changes? to LG a time constraint. Um, is it reasonable to be concerned that we would have to retrain for this section? Um, so I'm guessing this is a question about the new LG section um, or the, the logic game replacement section. Now I, I'll say that my understanding of it is very limited, but there is a new LG section on the horizon or an LG-like section on the horizon. And it, I'm, I know, I don't quote me, it's probably coming next year. Um, Now, because of that though, or so I, I don't, I, I don't know anything, right? I don't know any dates or when it's going to happen. It is coming. Um, Question though, what do you do about it? Right, so like, what, what can you do about it? Or is there something to actually do about it? I, do not think there's anything to do but to study LG how you would normally study LG. It's going to test a very similar concept. Um, you will be asked to do similar things, but it's going to be different. I don't know if like, it's not that I know. I'm not so sure. I don't want to say anything that might be inaccurate. My understanding though, is that it's going to test the same concepts that the regular LG section is going to test. Yeah, that's the intent behind it for right. sure. I mean, that's their intent. Hopefully it plays out. I have no idea exactly what that is going to be. And yeah, we're not LSAC. So we know exactly as much as everybody else knows at the same yeah. time. LSAC will announce it way beforehand. That's something that I feel like people are, you know, phantomly worried about in the back of their mind. They're like, well, what if LSAC changes the LG section right now for the October test? They're not going to do that. 
They're they're yeah. going to give us advance notice. It's going to be testing that same idea. So exactly. The best thing that you can do is just practice, understand logic games as it is right now. It's also, if, if you're, well, I don't know. People ask that question, I think, coming from different places. I definitely have had people come into my like LSAT 101 classes, hear about the, oh, there might be a change to this LG section. And they're like, well, hopefully, because I hate this. So I want to stop learning it now. If that's where you're coming from and asking that question or even just wondering about it, I think it's just like, pick yourself up, start learning LG. I didn't love it at first, but now I genuinely enjoy it. Like it actually, and you don't even have to enjoy it. You just, you're going to figure it out. It's, it's figure out a bull. So that's the only thing I'll add. It's like, there's nothing right now to study for it, except for LG. And so it, it, it would be, it's wise to spend some time doing LG because however good you are at LG, it's going to make your transition to the next section whenever that comes that much easier. What are some good protocols for the day before the test? Uh, good protocols, usually the good protocols, I'd say start like at least a week before um, waking up at the same time every day, right? So whatever time you're going to wake up on test day, like getting that circadian rhythm in check. Um, a week out is usually when that starts to begin, right? Get some sleep, commit yourself to not being going out very late, things like that, right? Try to have a similar bedtime, Similar wake up time. If you have the luxury study or do LSAT work at the same time that you're going to be doing the test, don't take a, a PT the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do, don't grade it. I actually think taking a PT before, but just like just to keep the rhythm is good. Uh, don't grade it though. I, I mean, I don't know what grading is going to serve you. Either you're going to do better than expected and then you'll be overconfident. You'll do worse than expected. You'll be underconfident. Both of those are bad, or you'll do the same as expected, and there's no benefit. So it, it's it's an option. Your best case scenario is neutral, is mm-hmm. what I would say when it comes to grading. So yeah, and, and your cool. worst case scenario is is not good. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't grade. Don't grade is what I would recommend the day before. Don't do anything that's like new i don't want to say don't do anything that's new but i don't know like be comfortable like i did terrible your stuff goal shouldn't be your goal should not be to learn anything new if you end up doing i don't know like if that happens along the way cool like don't fight it but if you're ever going into the, your last day before the test thinking in any sort of way that you could cram for this test and any other like as it's similar to any other test, no, there's just no way. Trust me, I try to do it. There's just no way. It was like the test that I was learning something. Like I remember one of my tests, I was sitting there, like I I had a big breakthrough for LR the morning of. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but I just remember something really clicking. And then I was like, oh, this totally makes sense now. I'm, you know, super confident going into the test. It's just not enough time to master a skill. If you get something to click, great. You're going to need, you know, and I don't even know what that magic amount of time is, but it's like doing it a couple of times in drills, pulling it off in a practice test and then doing it. And you just need more time to do those things. So if anything you want to, I say like, go for a long walk, maybe listen to a podcast or something, try to like get yourself in a semi LSAT mindset. If you don't want to do a whole test, do like a little mini LSAT, one passage, one game, five LR questions, something to just make sure that you're not, you know, totally forgetting about this thing, but really focus a lot more on building that confidence and and building those mental game aspects of the test that are so shaky or they could be. And so that's, that's what I'd be more worried about, not your content or understanding. Yeah. And I would say your fate is sealed at that point. So just, uh, just hunker down, hunker down and let it rock. Um, any tips on how to build confidence? 
finding that my mindset is one of my big it was, it's always the man in the mirror it's true uh finding that mindset is one of my biggest obstacles right now um confidence drill i i don't i wouldn't call it confidence drills but like just going based on first answer is usually a pretty it's a drill where you just do do a, an lr section just pick the first answer choice you like see how that goes Sometimes a double-edged sword, though, because sometimes it doesn't go well. <laughs> but uh, but usually it goes more. Usually, what happens is that it it goes better than you think it will, right? It, it goes better than you think it will. Fair, depending on your level of understanding and stuff. At that point, yeah, I think it's yeah. a good way yeah. to gauge like where am I when I'm picking based on instinct or whatever you get that first guess is. Um, and maybe hopefully it's not a guess though. Like I always like to make sure that my confidence is not rooted in nothingness. It's rooted in evidence. It's, it's evidence-based. And so how am I confident? Well, I know that I have my strategies down. How do I know that I have my strategies down? I can actually say out loud the approach that I'm using for every single, like I have some questions that I'm asking myself every time I go into an LR question or a game or something like that. Like I have this framework that I can rely on. So I have all the more reason to be confident, but that was kind of switching it from the drill itself. Yeah. I guess it also depends too. Like, why are you unconfident? Should you be unconfident? Right. Sometimes like I, I, it's terrible to say it's like, but like, if you're messing up a lot, there's no reason to be confident then in, in a sense, it's just, it's just a sign to study more. You shouldn't be confident if you're, if you're, you know, new and studying, I mean, like it would make no sense yeah, um, because you just don't know what to do. Now let's say I'm, I'm guessing you might be someone who like does not find a lot of confidence. Just look at the evidence, right? Like if you, if you're improving, why should you be unconfident then? Right. Like, obviously it's not like you should be. And it's like, you know, uh, emotions and feelings, they come and go through us. Right. Like it's like, you don't really choose to feel any emotion. Um, They're like, you know, waves under the boat, uh, but what you can do is just like, look at the evidence, right? It's like, okay, I am steadily improving like two points. Every PT I take sure. I don't feel confident, but like, if I look at the facts, Mm -hmm. the facts would suggest confidence. Now, of course, you, you still might not feel that way, but even just knowing that like, hey, look, the feelings, you know, feelings are deceptive, right? It, it's not necessarily an indication of like what is truth. Mm -hmm. If you feel very upset, sure, you might be upset about something, but it also could just be like, you're feeling upset, you know, and, and whether, or, you know, I don't want to invalidate anyone's feeling. It, it's like yes ending, right? It's not an invalidation. It's like, hey, look, you can acknowledge you're feeling a certain way. I'm not feeling confident. While also recognizing that the evidence does not suggest that you should be unconfident. Um, so you know, things like that. It, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing though. You know, the best the best way to build confidence is um by staying subscribed to Seven Sage and coming to live uh, you always, you always and, that and, and, do and, dom and dominating. Also, like just like little I don't know my mantra right having a mantra. I, I told myself I was like an LSAT predator. I was there to hunt down problem. I don't know. I'm weird. I'm weird. It's not, but yeah. No, that's solid. I mean, I had, yeah, I was like, I want to get in these test makers heads. I want to prove to them that I'm smarter than them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. You gotta, you gotta come up with some sort of place that you want to be at and then just start telling yourself that you're already there. Yeah. All right. Um, one more question here in the event that you are down to 15 minutes in the last two logic games, what do you do to complete the section? Um, this is a good question. Um, kind of speaking back to the, the previous question where you're, you're consistently having four, um, four left. Like, ideally, we get you in a position where that doesn't happen. So I'm not going to answer your question just yet. Uh, ideally, we get uh, to a place where this doesn't happen. I'm, I'm someone who, like, is an advocate that, like, one and two-star games 
the target timing on the website is is a little too too friendly. I think you need to be yeah. a little bit quicker, right? Like, I think the 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 one star games, the two star games, uh, they really probably want to be in the order of like five six minutes, um, uh, something like that. So, and that's usually where the first two games are. It's like in that one to two star category. So you want to be pretty quick on that, like a, a simple sequence, a pure sequence of game, even if it's like eight questions long. I mean, I want that to be under uh, close to five minutes, um. Uh, because the you know like a miscellaneous game uh, the killer of logic games is time pressure right it, re- it really is it really is time pressure it just take it especially like if you get a miscellaneous game or a mixed game some sort of novel setup very difficult to 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 think put your you know think straight um and, and so trying to like sometimes if you keep keep messing up the hard games it's just a matter of you need to get better at the easy games um the the other thing I'll, I would add, though, right, in the last, let's say you are in this um, nightmare scenario. It's not a nightmare scenario. I mean, and by the way, whatever happens on test day, you just need to be like, all right, it's fine. This is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. This is what it is. I'm just going to keep trying hard. Don't go gentle into the good night, right? Um, uh, <laughs> what I would recommend, though, right, is like, one, look at the first, look at the setup. See if you can build a setup. See if there's some sort of uh, natural progression. Right. If you're looking at the rules and you don't see like a natural progression that you can move for, like, okay, these rules, I don't know if, how, if these rules go together, right? One of two options you split. It's one of the things that, you know, if two rules that meant two rules mention the same game piece, usually an inference. If there's one of two options, it's a good place to split. Let's say you do that, but it's just like, it's all kind of a mess. You can look forward a couple of questions, like a question or two. You're like, all right, this is just a nightmare. Skip that game, go to the next one, see if that one's any better. Um, If it's not, Go through that game. Try to be accurate. Skip the rule replacement questions because they're just going to take a lot of time. Uh, maybe try to do the local questions first. Uh, what are local questions? Are It's questions where they tell you a thing has happened, right? Like, oh, if I put uh, F into the two slot, what must be true? Those questions tend to be a little bit more approachable and, and more clear about what you need to do as opposed to which of these must be false, right? Like those are if, if, if an empty question like that. It's just very hard to do. Um, I would I would try to do both of the games and and also too it's like sometimes the last two games are like easy games too so you don't know who's mm-hmm. to say right you have to try right try them out um but I would probably I would aim to try to take a look at both at the very least to see like you know what are you better if, if you know the second the, the second game is a sequencing game you're just killer at sequencing games do that one first right and and then go back uh definitely spend some time Reserve time to bubble things in too. I have to say, it's like if you do run out of time, um, that's probably what I would do. I know that it's a lot, so I mean, so just go over right. Look at both, right? Look at the first game, mm-hmm. see if there's some sort of master game board you could put together. If the answer is no, look at the second game, see if there's something you could put together, and then after that, after that, when you're answering the questions, right, maybe start with the local questions and skip the uh, rule replacement type questions. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you'd like to add? No, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, my first take on this was I was like, eh, 15 minutes less than ideal for the last two Logic games. That actually doesn't sound the worst thing in the world to me. I'm like, that's five-ish minutes less than I'd love to have. However, it's still fine. It's still doable. Yeah, like the where you're going to be losing time is any of that time where you're frozen, you're deer in the headlights, you are pausing, deciding whether to split or not. Like any of that time is where that it's just a time sink. 
what you want to do is just get the momentum going, like just spend less time making the decision, more time going for it, pen to paper, get some boards out. You can always come up with something um, rather than nothing, force yourself to get one rule, one of the things onto the game board rather than nothing, run into questions, if questions first. Yeah. I usually, by the way, just refer to them as if questions. Cause I always, I, I know there's some of them where if isn't first, like it says it all kind of convoluted and then it, you know, says it afterwards, but I'm like, eh, if you just want to do a quick little skim through, just look for the word. If do yeah. those questions first, it'll be a little bit easier, give you a little bit more information to answer those more open-ended global questions. But yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, okay. I think that wraps up our time then now. Um, yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming. Appreciate the questions. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. I'll see you guys soon.